alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Rashad Norzay coming to you with uh, Imam Fuad Muhammad from the West Coast. And this is the Transformation Podcast. So welcome everyone. Welcome Imam Fuad. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing, Brother Rashad? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing all right. Um, it's again another interesting week um, in the world. Things have not... Uh, have actually gotten maybe more challenging. How is how is life changing up there for you guys? Alhamdulillah, you know, we're starting to get used to being stuck at home and you know not mm-hmm. really being able to go outside. I feel like now it's 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 gone a little bit easier to deal with, you know, being inside of the house, figuring out, you know, what needs to be done and uh, how how to, you know, stay sane in this time. Right. Although I feel like it's, it's we probably we feel like we're maybe we're just ad- adjusting to the change, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's probably been a couple of weeks. Everyone knows they're home, their kids are home. They're, they're figuring out somewhat of a, they've now adjusted to maybe school schedules or work schedules. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you talk about being sane, I don't know a time in my life where I've sat in the house or not done things outdoors on a regular basis with other people for more than a few days. And so I'm not sure yet what it's going to look like week three, four, five, six, potentially eight weeks from now, 12 weeks from now. You know, Allah knows best, but I heard in some instances in China, for example, mm-hmm. that people were definitely, it was a couple of months. So I have not experienced that yet. So I'm not really sure how uh, I'm going to adjust to that. SubhanAllah. You know, I think as as time moves on and the longer that we're in it, we, we're not... I think we're going to learn, uh, you know, how to live with it. We'll have, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have no other choice but to, you know, we like. I feel like, you know, right now we're still in denial that, you know, this is what we're really doing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I feel like soon we're going to realize like there's there's no other choice. This is what we have to do. And I'm thinking, you know, just like China, this is going to take some time. It's not, you know, matter. I feel like the more that this goes on and the longer that, you know, the, the virus is out there, the worse that it keeps getting. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at, you know, what's happening, the countries that, you know, got the virus after China, they're, they're much worse than, you know, China was at this point in their, uh, in their time. When you look at the amounts of people that, you know, uh, contracted the disease, the amount of people that died away, you know, from it. Mm-hmm. When you compare that to like other countries, the other countries now they're doing worse. So you know the the I and, and it's like uh, look look at Seattle. You know we were f- one of the first states to get it, and mm-hmm. we are having it bad right now. There are some states that don't have it as bad as us, but soon they're going to get to that point, and it will be much worse than you know it was here. So I feel like you know as time goes on, we're going to realize that like this is how we have to live for some time. You know, in our homes, not, you know, not have the ability to go, uh, really go outside. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting dynamic. And I know it changes from uh, location to location. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're, if you're in an area that's more densely populated city, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's going to be different or in an apartment complex or in in a different, you know, environment where someone who's out in a rural area, they might have a yard, they might have a place for, uh, their family to have space to get outside mm-hmm. um, without putting themselves at risk or, you know, the community at risk. Yeah. Um, I, those dynamics, but you're right. I, I've heard the same thing. I've heard some interesting stats. Obviously, 
the U.S. now, if I'm not mistaken, is number one in cases. Um, and I don't know if, it, if we're also number one in total deaths. So I ask a lot to make it easy on mm-hmm. us and uh, on the community here. Mm-hmm. Each one of these statistics are people's lives. And I can only share one example of um, uh, a very good uh, brother and, and you know, leader in our community from New York. Um, and I ask a lot to, you know, give him a complete and healthy recovery, mm-hmm. um, bring him back to full health. And I think so far he's doing okay. He's been in uh, self-isolation for, I think, a, cu- a couple of weeks. And it seems to be mild symptoms so far. So I, I hope that it continues that way for him. But as soon as I heard that news, it, it shook me differently. You know, you start to imagine it's the person you know. Mm-hmm. So right now you hear stats, 100,000. We're, we're almost at, I think, a million people globally. And I'm sure we've exceeded that number. Mm-hmm. The uh, reporting, the tracking, the data for testing is not widely available. So we have to be honest and and practically speaking, more people have it than the number that uh, is actually reported. So, yeah, it's an incredible thing to think that it's it's gone far beyond uh, where it was just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and how fast it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm happy that there are I'm happy that people are taking it more seriously now, mm-hmm. although um, it doesn't seem that enough people and enough of the important people, meaning not important as in they're who they are, but important as in they have the responsibility, uh, at least here in the U.S., not enough people who have the responsibility seem to be acting in a way which would be um, what we would expect from people in, in, our, in our government and political leadership and uh, otherwise. Uh, and so that's unfortunate and that's going to be a result of uh, which that may result in more deaths and more people contracting it and families going through difficulty, mm-hmm. which is that's a number you can't quantify. How do you quantify the brother and the sister, the mother and the father, the family members that one, like we talked about last time, right? They, they one can't even be close to help this person mm-hmm. if they are sick. Uh, they can't maybe attend the, the funeral if, if they do pass, you know, God yeah. forbid. So that's a difficult thing to imagine right now. Yeah. SubhanAllah. May Allah make it easy on us. You know, this is, it's really a, a you know, we're in a time of, you know, uncertainty. And times of hardship where we really don't know what's, you know, what's, what's going to happen. It's not like, you know, we know what's going to happen, you know, and if we weren't in this situation, but like not really knowing, you know, what's, what this virus is really doing and how it's, you know, like how many people have gotten it, you know, what's going to happen to those people? How are we going to, you know, deal with, as, as they're saying now on the news that possibly, you know, the good news is if a hundred thousand people die. You know, if we keep the number to that point where only we lose a hundred thousand, then this is you know we've done the best that we could, and this is you know this is very scary because who, who those hundred thousand? It's not just a number, you know. That's somebody's dad, that's somebody's mom, somebody's child, you know, somebody's cousin, somebody's uncle. It, it's it can be any of us, you know. Mm-hmm. And to know that a hundred thousand—that's a lot of people. You know, that's, that's and that's hoping you know all these steps that they're taking is is it's it's going to fulfill that, and it's just you know it's, it's very difficult. So may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make it easy on us. I mean, I heard something interesting yesterday as well from uh, the Breakdown podcast mm-hmm. by Sean King. Mm-hmm. He highlighted that today, April first, mm-hmm. is a very specific, uh, special day. One, of course, the census, you know, the 2020 census is happening today. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already, you know, take that census, complete it. Um, I have another podcast. I talked to uh, Ismahan 
Abdullahi, uh, the director of Mass Pace, um, and we really dove into the details of why it's important. So I encourage everyone to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, sh- the point that Sean King made was the there's something like 30 million people, mm-hmm. if not more, so maybe even closer to 40 or 50 million people mm-hmm. that filed for unemployment. And that means they now don't have a job. That means most likely as of April 1st, mm-hmm. they don't have health benefits. Because, Mark, you usually get the rest of the month of health benefits. And then the next month, you know, those health benefits from that company drop. Wow. So that means millions of people, tens of millions of people in the country today who don't know that if they get sick or maybe their family was depending on their health benefits, um, there's uncertainty now. Uh, there's either a high cost that they won't be able to afford now that they don't have a job on top of it, mm-hmm. let alone the fact that um, they don't know if, if they can go and feel comfortable, you know, getting the resources that they need or the support that they need mm-hmm. because they lack that insurance, which does speak to um, an overall failing that I, I want to ha- highlight here because this is not a matter of, uh, I'm not a, I have nothing to do with partisanship or politics, mm-hmm. but this doesn't have to do with, you know, what side of the aisle you're on or what side of the uh, political spectrum you fall on. Mm-hmm. Uh, people should not have to walk away concerned about whether or not they can get access to healthcare. Uh, you know, just as, just as we have support, uh, our government has support systems for the elderly, people who reach the retirement age. We have, you know, these programs designed to help communities or individuals when they're struggling outside of work. Mm-hmm. That's what unemployment benefits are. We have the same thing for families that need to care, you know, food with food resources. Mm-hmm. So it's very unfortunate that this has been something left out. Um, and I hope that we can sort of raise the the banner here and start calling people to speak about this, to uh, to, to push our politicians to take action. Uh, it's been too long, and that, that debate that they're having is is almost meaningless at this point. Wow, subhanAllah. You know, that's truly, now hearing that, you know, that many people are losing their, their health insurance, that means, imagine how many of them have the virus, but they can't, you know, go to the hospital to mm-hmm. get tested. They can't go to the hospital for them to, uh, you know, be taken care of and put in isolation. What happens to the rest of us? Like when they come in contact with us, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, all all of these people, this is, uh, if we don't take care of them, then this is that forty million can imagine if only even one percent of them have it, and they, mm-hmm. w- what are they going to do? How many people are they going to infect, and how many people? through that infection are going to die from it. Uh, You know, this is, this is the world that we live in. You know, now I think after this is all over after, because now, you know, the government really has to step in to make sure that uh, this does not turn into, you know, a depression where everything fails. And once we're on the other side, we're going to realize that, you know, that all the things they told us they couldn't do, they proved to us that, when they really wanted it, they were able to do it, you know, because I feel like in the coming yeah. months, people are going to, are you, how are you going to refuse somebody that's, you know, dying from coronavirus and let them die in the street? You know, you're going to realize you have right. to take him in and then you're going to realize somebody has to pay for that. And that person is not going to pay for it. Right. So we realize right. that, okay, the government can actually pay for this when there's a pandemic, when there, when there's like a real need uh, for hospitals to be there. Then when the times that, you know, hospitals are not under as much pressure, why can they not pay? 
Right. So I, you know, hopefully, you know, there'll be some good things that will come out of, you know, all of this that we are going through. We just have to, uh, you know, make sure that we're steadfast and wait, you know, hopefully uh, we become better people on the other side of this. Yeah, I'm happy you're saying that because this is the conversations we've had. So the Mass Daily Focus program that's that's going on evenings we've had now for over two mm-hmm. weeks. This has been a consistent message from a spiritual perspective. Many people have addressed this. And there was one particular Dr. Marwa Azab that spoke about it from you know a health perspective, um, uh, a psychological perspective, mm-hmm. that there are people that, uh, that are resilient people and they can come out of this time you know, not just having adjusted back to normal life, but actually become stronger. And I think the message behind, uh, you know, if you imagine, we often talk about the stories of the Sahaba and the prophets, peace be upon Mm -hmm. them. You know, they were people who the difficulty that they faced didn't make them weaker. And it also didn't make them just go back to the status quo. Like they didn't go out and say, hey, I'm standing up for something they faced the difficulty and then they went back to their house and, you know, felt like, okay, I'll just leave things as is. Instead, that difficulty sharpened them, strengthened them and made them uh, by being resilient people, they could become, uh, they could do even more beyond that. And they grew through that experience. So this is a beautiful opportunity. I hope that's why I hope this podcast, this transformation podcast mm-hmm. for me is now more than ever uh, relevant. Every time I sit with you and touch on this book, it's like we're doing a deep dive. This is what our uh, Usra program mm. has. You know, the Usra program being this this haraka concept, but we're getting together, building deeper relationships, and oftentimes we're diving into books or ayat of Quran and the reflections and the lessons that we're drawing and that we're learning from mm. each other. So this for me is is this special opportunity to do this with you and this particular book and every one of these part the every part of this book. Yeah. Um, it was one thing to read it from start mm-hmm. to finish. It's another thing to sit and take take it apart piece by piece mm-hmm. and really discuss it, reflect on it, and then try to try to internalize it and take some action mm-hmm. from it. Alhamdulillah, you know, it brings, uh, when we do it together, there are things that I pick up that you might not pick up and, you know, vice versa, mm-hmm. where it, cha- like, it gives you a better understanding of the book, you know, to see it from mm-hmm. all of these different perspectives. And see what you know. We can read the same thing, but have you know two different understanding of it, and two things that we take away from it. So seeing and being able to you know exchange that with uh, with you, it has been you know it's, it's really been a pleasure, and I thank you for that. Yeah, no, I thank you, and I thank God. This is this is really one of the highlights of my week. Sometimes uh, people don't know, like in the background, we're messaging each other, we're adjusting the times that mm-hmm. we can meet, but few occasions in the past where we couldn't work out a time mm. to record uh, something's been missing from my week wow. so uh, it's a really it's a really big blessing so thanks for for keeping us up with me. i mean i mean so today what we're going to do is something interesting we're going to dive into another section uh focused on fasting so we realized that instead of going you know page by page through this book which itself had its own benefit um, we're, we're going to try to select the most relevant parts of this book, uh, the, the sections and the particular topics like fasting as we're in Shaban, and the, which you mentioned last time, Imam Fuad about Shaban being the month where the prophet fasted the most outside of mm-hmm. Ramadan, um, we're approaching Ramadan. So this is probably the most timely subject mm-hmm. to address, um, as well as we'll dive into the, 
uh, the prayer components, uh, character, mind, you know, body and soul. And so uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to switch from fasting, from the health benefits and the impact of the body. And we're going to go into fasting and the impact uh, on, on character. So the lessons that can be derived uh, through fasting and through the practice and understanding of fasting on a person's character. So this is page 78. If anyone has the book and is following along, it starts on page 78 and there's a short intro here. Um, and I like that he starts out with, you know, the first item is just fasting is a refinement for the character. And, you know, refinement is such a, um, a beautiful term when people think about it. It's something that uh, it, 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 it improves and sharpens something that's already there. So our character, hopefully, we're working on trying to develop it. Um, but he highlights in particular here in the first page, uh, it disciplines and trains the self to embrace higher behavioral standards. So this, I, I really love this aspect of uh, discussing fasting because often, you know, most people will focus on the not eating component. And some people will talk about, you know, the health benefits to the body. That's become a very popular um, subject now, probably for several decades, because more research has shown those health benefits. But I'm unaware of any fasting guru, diet specialist, you know, health coach that has talked to anyone about the impact of fasting on your character. SubhanAllah. You know, fasting, it, I, I don't think uh, other people look at it as having an effect past the body. You know, unfortunately, this is some, one of the things that we do with almost everything is we look at the benefits that we can see and not really the benefits that, you know, come down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And fasting, having, you know, something on a person's characteristics, it has to do with, you know, what you are required to do while you're fasting. You know, the actions that you are supposed to do and the things that you are supposed to feel. So... When you have these things, it's, it's different than, okay, we know that if you stay away from eating for this long, this is what your body does. And this is something that we can prove. You know, this is something that we can mm -hmm. put under, uh, you know, the, the, the microscopes and see what is really going on when your body is, is, is not getting any food. But to go beyond that, I don't think it's something that we have done or even something that if we were to do in any other way, Besides the way that, you know, uh, that we do it by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet telling us, I don't think we would be able to find it. Because how else, you know, mm -hmm. fasting, uh, it, it's a refinement for your body and for your soul. So the, the parts of the soul, nobody has answers to it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to look at what has come to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what it does to us, you know, our character. Uh, for example, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ on how we should respond, respond to somebody that is cursing us, somebody that wants to fight us and, you know, the things that they do while we are fasting by telling that person that, you know, that I am fasting. What does that do? That shows you that your fasting, your, your nature is to do the opposite of saying, uh, I'm fasting. It is to do the same that he's doing to you, right? This is our nature. But telling him, you know, following the command of the Prophet وسلم, and saying, I'm fasting, this refines your character to show you that you can be above those desires that you have. You know, those, those we'll call it, you know, animalistic desires that are in you. You can go above those by fasting. 
Yeah, that's, I, I really like that you gave that example. Oftentimes, uh, you know, I, people are, we're often at Muslims who are experiencing the benefits of prayer, fasting, you know, we, we learn about these, uh, these beautiful qualities, but we, we oftentimes go out and tell people, Hey, we have this thing that's, uh, that's very beautiful. It's part of our religion. It's sent to us by mm-hmm. God. It's taught to us by a messenger who is, uh, you know, in communication with, mm-hmm. with the divine. And yet when we speak to people, I think we speak to people from a perspective of, Hey, there's this one uh, like side benefit here that you can, you can appreciate. And we leave out the rest of the package. And I think that's something that's, that's happened with, uh, we've talked, I've mentioned this before. It happens with both the Hindu tradition as well as the Buddhist tradition. People want to take just a small part of it and, and not the rest of the, the scope of it. And that's fine. You know, wherever someone can take benefit mm-hmm. from it, that's okay. But in this case, I'm not here to present someone the minor benefit of some change. That's not actually the overall, the, 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 there is something even more beneficial to this experience. And it's also not the same as someone who does, you know, other types mm-hmm. of fasting. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh yeah, anybody who just doesn't eat mm-hmm. will get this benefit. It's not really true. Most people, when they don't eat, the only thing they'll get from it, and I, and I know this is, uh, you'll probably, uh, you know, share this narration as well, but most people, when they don't eat, the only thing they get from it is they're hungry. You know, they don't walk away having articulated because there's no even perspective of, hey, there might be mm. some other benefit. Like, what, what am I even looking for? All I feel is the hunger. I'm not eating. So I can do it mm. for health reasons. And some people, do that, right? Some people do it. So people used to do it for weight yeah. loss. <laughs> and now, so it's kind of like, you know, I'll just do Ramadan because mm. I want to lose weight. But now uh, people are realizing, oh, there's other health benefits. There's benefits to my mental capacity. There's benefits to my digestive system, to my immune system. Um, Dr. Madiha Saeed had a really good session on the Daily Focus mm-hmm. program as well. And she had a really cool site. I believe it's uh, Holistic uh, Mom MD or Holistic MD Mom. Uh, I'm hopefully going to get her on a series uh, or a conversation mm-hmm. as well. But she talked about you know the different impacts of, of of our digestive system, what we eat. And so by not eating, but here, here, what you said is critical because if I understand that there is something else that I'm supposed to achieve Mm -hmm. by fasting, I know to pursue that right now. I know the not eating is one component of it, but I have something Mm -hmm. else to aspire to. And there, there are so many levels here that there's no such thing as reaching the highest level because there isn't one. Um, but there is only the next level that you can continue mm. to grow towards. So here I'll read the quote on page 79 by Ibn al-Qayyim. Ibn al-Qayyim is a 14th century Islamic scholar and prominent spir- spiritual thinker. He said, fasting is to restrain from, is to restrain the self from desire, to wean from that, from what has become too familiar and to renew its capacity to resist temptation. With fasting, the self is primed to embrace what will lead to ultimate contentment in its eternal life and to accept what purifies it. Mm. So he, that he continues here to highlight a couple of other areas about the impacts of fasting, but I, I like that you highlighted this one. And I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of as someone is starting to look into uh, fasting for mm-hmm. Shaban, uh, what are, what are the main, may, maybe some key areas that you think about from character perspective that they could uh, be, how do you move? How do you move from thinking about fasting as something that I'm doing to not eat to something that I'm doing to improve my character? Subhanallah. I think 
the best way to look at uh, fasting is if you want it to, you know, you have to completely do fasting as it has been, you know, commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as it has been shown to us by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it is doing, you know, things that are more than, you know, just, you know, what's at the base level of leave off your food, leave off your drink, leave off your desires, you know, and, 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 and focus on, you know, it's uh, when you, uh, w- w- when we do things, there are things that, you know, already come with it, right? So our bodies, when we are eating food and we fulfill our desires, there are things that come with that. So let's, and those things are what drive us to do the things that we do. You know, the when I feel hungry, the desire to eat comes. So when I eat, I fulfill that desire of, you know, that hunger that I have. But fasting, it should be, you know, let's forget about that desire that you have for, uh, for eating. And let's focus on that desire you have for your heart to be alive and for your heart not to be sick. You know, let's, let's focus on this month, you know, the month of Ramadan or whatever time you're fasting, the day that you're fasting, you are telling yourself, let me stop feeding my body for once, for this amount of time so that I can feed my soul. Because it's very hard to feed it at the same time. Right, so you're you're dropping one thing so that you can embrace another thing, right? So you cannot let your fasting, whether it's in Sha'ban or in any other month of Ramadan, it cannot be. Let me put my food down just for the time that I have to put it down, and as soon as that time is over, let me get back to my, uh, you know, get get that food back in me, or let me even get more than uh, I would have been able to get into me because I didn't eat for so long. But it should be I'm putting food right. down. I'm putting the you know the the, my, the nutrients for my body so that I can pick up and absorb the nutrients for my soul, right? And that has you know that that that's what mm-hmm. fasting is truly meant for. It's for you to be able to control your desire. And when you're able to control your desires, when when you, we have this desire for food and for you know these things that are created in us, then the other things that will come along they'll be easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And, and there's just a quote here, just mm. to the point you were saying, that, uh, at the last paragraph of 79, he says, fasting is the bridal of those mindful of God. It is the bliss for the spiritually developed and a workout for the pious. I, I, in, this, in these examples, he's giving some really uh, unique perspectives, like the idea of it being a workout mm. for the pious. So all of a sudden now, I am. it's not just that I have to make sure I don't put food in my mouth. Now I should have a system. I should have an approach. I should be thinking about, I mean, you don't just, some, sometimes we show up to the gym or we go outside for a run and we just do whatever we can. But really when you look at people who make it a regular part of their lives, that's one, right? You have to make mm-hmm. it a regular part of your life. It can't just be something you show up once a year, like a, like a physical workout. People will show up probably January 1st, work out for a little bit, get too sore, and then go mm-hmm. back to their regular schedule. Uh, consistency is one, but then having some objectives. Okay, I'm going to run this much today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run this much tomorrow. But whatever that might be, and it applies in every field. So you have to have some clear objectives yeah. that you want to achieve. And then you also have to have some some ways to know if you're achieving those objectives or not, right? you got to see, all right, am I lifting this much more in the workout? Or am I running this much farther? Um, the times that you might keep mm-hmm. for running, et cetera. Uh, I think in addition to that, it helps to have someone who is... Uh, you got to have you know people that you're working together on, and so 
classes, you need that motivation, you need that encouragement, you need the people around you. You go to the gym, I mean, it's always more motivating to be in the gym because, hey, everybody's working out here. So where, where are those opportunities to be together with the people who are the people of fasting? Uh, and of course, we come together to break our fast, but individually we can be connected. Um, hopefully, uh, like I hope that more people that are listening to this and more people in the community take up mm-hmm. fasting for Shaban. So we can all feel like, hey, there's not only one of us. I'm not doing it by myself in my home, sitting by myself. And maybe we'll figure out how to turn this into some kind of uh, social media trend or hashtag, you know, fasting mm. together in Chaban. Yeah. It might be something just so, I, so we can start hearing from each other. Hey, who else is involved in fasting? So if you are listening to this, find a way to, to share this message with other people and then for us to find out. I really want to see, you know, who can turn this into something that uh, others will be engaged with. And so last point I was going to make for, for this page was when he mentions uh, the bridal of those mm-hmm. who are mindful of God. Um, I like this example because it's I love uh, mm-hmm. horseback riding and it's very incredible to think about um, the relationship of the mm-hmm. rider and the horse. And bridle is often um, what what you use to. Uh, to basically mm-hmm. steer the horse, right? And so, like it's yeah, like yeah. a headgear. And the horse, though, the horse. Uh, th- there's, there's a lot of layers to this example. Okay, <laughs> he just used one word, but okay. I'm going to take it a little bit deeper. The horse. The horse is a very mm-hmm. intelligent animal, right? And it, it's very uh, emotionally sensitive animal. The horse also, they say, when a horse, when a fly sits on, you know, the 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 fur, mm-hmm. the coat of a horse, wow. it, it can notice it, and it can twitch. It can twitch the muscle of just that part of the body so to make the fly lot. move. Like, it's very incredible how. So it's very sad when you see people like in movies, you know, whacking horses, and you know, there's there's a movie theatrics to it. But actually, the horse is an incredibly right. sensitive animal, uh, and it, it it also has a very high level of what we call for humans emotional intelligence. So the horse is not. We we can't say that the horse is processing things you know, logically the commands and the instructions that we're giving it, but it knows as part of the type of animal it is in a herd, it likes to work, you know, it likes to, to uh, move behind the leader. So the horse with the bridle, it requires some training because horses mm-hmm. are naturally wild animals. You can't walk outside and find a wild horse and put a bridle yeah. on it and start riding it. You have to build a relationship with it. So there's, there's a process of building the relationship, building the trust, working over time slowly. And I'm, and I'm using and I'm expanding on this example because this is critical for us to understand when he talks about um, fasting as the bridal of those uh, mindful of God. You, if you take on fasting in your life in, in order to improve your character and for all the mm-hmm. other benefits that come with it, you have to take this, this slow approach. You know, the first day, when you first think about fasting, mm-hmm. you're going to think it's impossible. You know, the day starts, it's more than 12 hours in some places. Um, you're going to think to yourself, how am I going to go without my coffee and my first meal and my second meal and this this little snack that mm-hmm. I have here mm-hmm. and this item that I have here? You're going to think, so you, and if you see a wild horse, you're never going to think how I'm going to be riding oh, that wow, animal at some point. But you have to take mm-hmm. it one moment at a time. And the, the more specific one is once you have that relationship with the horse, when the bridle is the, you know, you use the bridle, you're, you're guiding the horse and you're, and you're helping it to move in which, in the direction you, but the horse has to choose itself mm. to follow your instructions. That's powerful. 
thing. Our body, I believe in, in this analogy is more like the horse. Our body has its own systems, breathing systems, digestive systems, mm -hmm. desire systems, you know, whether through our, our immune system, our, our psych psychological systems and the hormones that run through our body. So I don't, mm -hmm. even if I want to, I can't make my body do some things and not other things, meaning the internal processes, but I can utilize the tools of fasting, the practice of, of, of Allah itself, the understanding of mm -hmm. the right approach to fasting, which beautifully the Prophet Sunnah, and we're going to talk about this hopefully a little later as well or another time, the Prophet Sunnah captures this really beautifully, right? Like doing the suhoor, eating the small amount, you know, uh, sharing with others. All of these help you to balance that system because if you just tried not to eat mm -hmm. for a long period of time, you're just going to destroy your body. Like it's not going to give you any of these benefits. Um, so I, I don't know. I'll, I'll think more about mm -hmm. this example and share it more, but it just captured my mind for a moment. Um, I'll, I'll do like a whole nother. Uh, I'm curious to really think more about this analogy because it's, it's a beautiful relationship. And uh, for someone mm -hmm. who's familiar with horses, this example works really so, well. And I'm not too familiar with horses, but I'm guessing once the horse accepts the bridle, then that's it. It follows, you know, what the commands you give it. Absolutely. So that's that's the beautiful uh, system here. Is that when it's actually um, horses that 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 do accept the bridle now, or have the bit system, or other mm -hmm. types of systems that exist. You know, I, I personally have been trying to learn more about systems. Uh, I won't go too far into this, but there are, there are like, you know, more humane and more uh, kind ways to deal with horses uh, versus some systems that exist. There, there's something which they call, the term is used like breaking the horse, as though like when you put enough pressure on it, and there are animals that respond, you know. So when you put enough pressure on it, it will yeah. do something, right? But that's not the healthy relationship. Right. Because you you're the rider is trying to build a relationship with the horse because you need to do a lot of things. You don't need to just need the horse to pull the cart one time. Right. You need this horse to be, uh, you know, to act properly with you when you're riding it out of in a dangerous situation or in a, you know, a situation where mm -hmm. like children might be around. So you, if you have a healthy relationship, the horse can can listen to the cues. Even some riders, when they have a long mm -hmm. relationship with their horse, they, they don't have to make a noise. They don't have to even make big movements. Little subtle movements of their legs will determine, like you might not even notice it from a distance, but just a little bit of pressure between their legs when they're riding the horse tells the horse what to do and what not to do. And yes, the key is that the horse has to accept because the horse is much bigger than the individual. They are far more powerful. They are far heavier. And if they those horses are very, you know, strong and even potentially uh, dangerous animals, they can bite, they can kick, they're very powerful animals. So if they wanted to, they could easily get away from you. I mean, you're, you're not, you're a human is very insignificant next to a horse. Yeah. even. So they have to accept that. And then once they accept it, you've got to keep nurturing that relationship so that it, it continues to give you the outcome that you want. So the same with your, with your body and your mind and this, this system of developing your character, you know, you're not going to just, don't just think that you're going to show up one day, you're going to fast for the first day, all of a sudden, all of these qualities of character and spiritual and intellectual and your body's benefits are all going to come from that one moment. Right. It's not how it works. And that's why you can see the prophet's example 
he, his life was a relationship with fasting. You know, he was always working to develop himself mm -hmm. in that aspect of his life. Although, you know, he, he had the highest of relationships with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm -hmm. and the best of character. And yet you, you sometimes wonder, right? Is it, did he do the thing? Did he do fasting because he had that? Or was all of the fasting that he did what led him to become that individual, to be that individual, to have the good character, to have the patience? And you can imagine there's something specific about that yeah, relationship. I think it would be, uh, you know, he fasting and, you know, all of the good deeds that the Prophet ﷺ used to do, they were all for one purpose, you know, to make it easy for him to bear the message that he had and to be able to, you know, deliver hmm. what he had because it was through those deeds that he would get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through that connection that he had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the easier it was for him to be able to, one, you know, take the Qur'an as, you know, one of the first commandments that was given to him uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's for him to, uh, you know, You know, stand during the night except for a little bit, right? What is the reason he has to do that? Allah mm -hmm. subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, because we are going to bring you a you know a heavy word mm. on you. You know, the Quran it is something that is heavy. So for him to be able to bear it, he has to build that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his standing during the night and through his fasting during the day and all of the good deeds that he does. So that once that, you know, when the connection is there, the things that he's being to ask, it becomes easy. You know, he's able to have patience when mm. the whole dunya is against him when he has no food, when his companions are dying and they're being killed for, for the message that he brought, he's able to, you know, even though it is hard, he's able to get through it because of that connection that he has with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fasting, you know, this, this is what essentially it does and, and other good deeds. The more that we do it, and especially fasting, you know, fasting, it encompasses all of the deeds that we should be doing. You know, it's, it's, Fasting, it's, you can be somebody that just does it, you know, to stay away from food and to stay away from drink, drinking. You'll get some benefit from that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you'll be, inshallah, rewarded for it. But for the one that actually, you know, takes all of fasting the way that it's intended to be taken, that connection he has with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be there and it's going to develop to the point where once it develops, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in a hadith Qudsi, that when, uh, you know, my, my servant does not get close to me by doing anything except that, you know, which I have made fard upon him. And then upon the things that are obligatory for him to do when he does the extra things, you know, the other actions, you get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then through it, you are going, you know, to reach a status when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, Allah will give it to you. And in another narration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, you know, he's going to become the hand that you strike with, the feet that you move with, the ears that you hear with, the eyes that you see. You know, because that connection mm -hmm. that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, you know, through these acts of worship, through fasting, this is what you are trying to attain. I like that. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So just going to this next page here, the title of this section on page 80 is mm -hmm. Fasting is a Barrier. And before any of the, the comments here, I was wondering, we can read over the, uh, the, the Prophet Sallallahu hadith here about fasting. Um, this one, it's the, the quote here is from the Prophet Sallallahu mm -hmm. it's in Sahih Bukhari. 
Did you, do uh, you have the Arabic the with Arabic you? Of, where's the hadith? It's, it's in the middle of the page. Fasting is a barrier. Whoever does not abandon lying in support of falsehood. I think. Page 80. Okay. I think I know the hadith. Let's see. Yeah, I thought I'd ask you. I have it here as well, but usually um, it's, uh, I, I like that. We, we naturally yeah. sort of have you, <clears throat> you know, with many of these hadith, but, yeah. but I'll read the English translation. And, and if you want, okay. you, can, you can mention the Arabic as well. Right. So the prophet peace be upon him said about fasting, whoever does not abandon lying in support of falsehood, acting upon those lies and acting ignorantly. So these three things, whoever does not abandon lying in support of falsehood, acting upon those lies and acting ignorantly. Allah is in need of his giving up food so and drink. Hadith, uh, it, it says, you know, it's, in the footnotes that is found in Sahih al-Bukhari, and I believe this is the hadith of uh, Abu Hurairah, anhu. It's also in, I believe, the Sunan of Abi Dawood, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, you know, the one that does not leave off, you know, lying and acting upon it, well, jahla and uh, ignorance or falsehood. Uh, and the person that does not fulfill these things, mm -hmm. then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has no need, you know, for him to leave off his drinking or his, his eating and his drinking. Subhanallah. Yeah, it's interesting here. It's using the term haja, meaning... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just an interesting relationship that sometimes we think that um, Allah mm -hmm. doesn't need any of these things in the first place. And so it's, it's almost like usually this, this haja term has to do also with uh, the needs or uh, it comes, I think, from the root from hujja as well, like the proof or evidence for. And so I'm imagining this as though, you know, to claim that I have, uh, you know, left mm -hmm. my food and drink for the sake of Allah and yet have not left these other things. And I like the footnote that they have here on page 80 as well about Qawla Zur, talking about this concept mm -hmm. of lying in support of falsehood and so or false testimony. They, they quote Sheikh Muhammad Ghazali in his book, Muslim Character. And the quote here is, lying in support of falsehood is a type of lie that is extremely dark. It is not just an attempt to hide the truth, but to eradicate it and place false information in its stead. It poses a danger to individuals in their personal affairs and even more so to societies in their public affairs. And this is, <laughs> it's from the book Khuluq al-Muslim, um, Dal Kutub al-Haditha in page 39. So this book by Sheikh Muhammad Ghazali. It's, it's incredible because this is exactly the world that we're living in today. Not only just generally speaking, but around coronavirus. I heard news that people hid or people suppress the information. So governments mm. might have been suppressing early information about this. Definitely, you know, I didn't expect anything more, but there's this concept, you can see it, that even our federal government uh, was suppressing this information. Not everyone, but some specific individuals, possibly out of ignorance, some of them, but some of them intentionally because they were concerned mm. about the impact to the market. So they didn't, they didn't think, oh, how many people are going to die from this? How many people are going to get sick from this? They thought, oh, if we make this information public, people will become concerned, fearful, economy will collapse. We're going to, our financial, uh, you know, assets are at risk here. 
And unfortunately, uh, that's a, that's a, such a poor quality. And here, obviously, someone who's doing that, let alone uh, acting on lies and acting ignorantly, then what benefit is it for them to have left their food and drink, you know, claiming that uh, or thinking that they're doing some some you know, benefit you know, for themselves? Uh, you, like you have we have to also look at it like this, you know, the person that is leaving off the drinking and he's leaving off the eating. You ask him, you know, what is the reason you do this? Anybody, they will tell you it's it's for the sake of Allah. You know, this is I'm leaving this off so that I can please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But without realizing that this is not just what you know fasting is about, this is the easiest thing for us to do. You know, when when it comes to fasting, the food and the drink is not you know the hardship. Because how long have you been doing it? Mm -hmm. How long have I been doing it? And how long have you know people that are listening to this been doing the fasting and they realize that eating and drinking, it's it's like you can get your body used to, even if you wanted to, to have one or two meals a day and just stay with that, you know, for the rest of your life. You know, so putting down food and drink, this is very easy. You know, you, you I remember when we mm -hmm. first started fasting, I was six years old and I fasted three, four days. Right. And those three, mm -hmm. four days, I was able to leave food from the morning to the night. And now, it's, you know, it's the same in every home where we we start training the kids to, you know, start fasting a couple of days and we just focus on letting them, you know, leave the food and the drink. But when, you know, when we reach an age where we are, we are capable of leaving food and, and, and water, but we don't stay away. You know, we, we are unable to control our, you know, our tongues. We're unable to stop lying. We're unable to, you know, support falsehood while we're fasting. Then what have we really done? Are we really leaving the food and the drink for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or is it just something that, hey, everybody's mm -hmm. doing it and this is something that I know I can do. But the other things, this is not something I can do. I can't leave off lying. I have to lie in order to benefit myself, yeah. right? So you look at, you know, what you are supposedly able to do for the sake of Allah and what you cannot do for yourself, you know? And this is one of the sad things, you know, that uh, it's really sad here that people knew how bad, you know, this situation was and they will withheld that information and now the same people, you know, they receive some benefit through those lies that they made, you know, but at what cost? Of course, they mm -hmm. benefited, you know, they, they got what they wanted to get. But as it says here, you know, it poses a danger to the individual, right? So maybe there are some dangers that they're going to mm -hmm. face in their personal affairs, but even more so to societies in their public affairs. What has, you know, withholding that information what has it done to the society? You know, now we're all stuck in our homes. Maybe if we knew about, you know, the real dangers of this virus, we would have been, you know, ha had the stay-at-home orders right away from the beginning. How, how many people would be in the hospitals right. if we did right. that? You know, how many people would be saved from it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. And I think here, mm -hmm. this, this section of fasting is a barrier. I think we we can see the, the comparison or the analogy here. Each of us recognizes that we need to create a barrier between mm -hmm. us and this virus outside. So we need to stay away from places where there's a lot of people. We need to stay away. We keep a certain distance from people. Don't touch things, wear gloves, put this mask on, you know, all of these steps that you have to take. And, e and if you don't even go outside, even better, right? But these are all steps that you have to take and that we're even being asked to, you know, 
to, in order to prevent from this virus, mm-hmm. you're leaving the things that you normally would do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to work, maybe. Kids aren't going to school. So in this comparison to fasting, he's saying here that fasting is a barrier. You're, you're removing yourself and, and preventing yourself mm-hmm. from something that's permissible, like you said. And how much more strength will you have then to keep away from the things that God has made impermissible? And, but but the, mm-hmm. the point that I wanted to highlight about this is that you have to do it for the sake of God. You have to do it seeking God himself, seeking his pleasure, seeking his love, seeking closeness to him. Because outside of that, even if you did it from a perspective of, oh, let's say you had someone out there, and there are many people who say, this is a a good practice, I can get health benefits. Okay, they participate. They get health benefits, no problem. Like Allah has made, God has made these, uh, these sort of laws of nature and these aspects. It's not laws of nature, but these laws that God has defined for the universe. So you will get health benefits by, you know, restricting the amount of food that you eat. Um, You will also get, uh, you could get an improvement in your character. You could get more patience Mm -hmm. through this process as well because of the experience. But there, Mm -hmm. there's a few things that are missing from this picture, sustaining it, benefiting from it, it being meaningful to your life it having, you know, a connection between this life of yours and the next, it bringing you together from the perspective that the prophet is teaching from, none of that comes without it being for the sake of Allah. And so I think, uh, and I like it, you highlighted it earlier, and I think we could we could close, uh, you know, with this point that we are doing this, that with this change of character, we want to do not for ourselves, not because mm-hmm. people will like us more if we have better character, but because we seek uh, God alone, we seek his pleasure, we seek his reward alone. In the end of the day, this month is going to be a very interesting month. Most of us will not go and, and meet with people on a regular basis this Ramadan. And if you already started fasting in Shaban, mostly the people around you and your work and mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, in your life and your family haven't seen you. So maybe if you're living at home with family or, or you have some uh, you know, roommates, maybe they're seeing and hopefully they're mm-hmm. seeing a difference in who you are and your character, but nobody else is going to see that. So even more so, we get an opportunity here to do this just for the sake of Allah, but naturally it should result in us becoming better people. And we're all still connected on um, online right now, virtually. So think about how you can be a better person. And I have a mm-hmm. series that I'm going to be starting with Mona Islam. Um, who is the author of mm-hmm. the social media workbook for Muslim youth uh, to address this, right? What is the right character to have on, on Instagram and TikTok and social media, how you should post, when you should post, why you should post. Mm-hmm. You have to be very thoughtful and mindful about it. And if you have the same question, I think fasting will help us in that aspect as well. We might spend less time, you know, in, in things that aren't benefiting us. and easy, It'll be easier for, for mm-hmm. us to stay away from those things that are harming us if we take this on as a regular practice. So, Imam Fahad, you know, as we close out here, the last word is yours, inshallah. Uh, you know, what are, what are your final thoughts? What are your advice for people um, as we go from this week of Shaban and we're continuing over the next few weeks? Um, and then inshallah. we can close with du'a. You know, uh, it's always good to look at, you know, the times that we're living in and try to really find uh, you know, in our tradition, in the Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, things that can help us get through it, and things that you know should encourage us to do, um, you know, the things that we have to do. And so, today, and since today, you know, we've we've been talking about fasting, 
Inshallah, what I want to remind every single one of you is a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from Osama bin Zayd radiyallahu anhuma where he said that you know he once he told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Lam araka tasumu min shahrin min ashuhuri ma tasumu min shaban that you know why do I see you fasting uh, so much in the month of Shaban compared to the other months. You know, I don't see you fasting any other month like you do the month of Shaban. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he responded to him and he said, He said, this is a month in which the people are heedless from between the month of Rajab, the sacred month of, of, uh, of Rajab and the blessed month of Ramadan. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he continued and he said, and this is the month in which our deeds are taken up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, meaning our yearly deeds. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, And I love that my deeds are lifted up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the things that I have done while I am in a state of fasting. And you also see him doing this, you know, on, when, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he fasts on Thursday and he gives the same reason. And he says, this is the day in which our, our deeds are taken up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, our weekly deeds are taken up on Thursday to Allah. And I love my deeds to be presented to him while I am, you know, in a state of fasting. So this is a month that, you know, most people are heedless of that they do not benefit from. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's making the statement, he's looking at, you know, in the time of jahiliyyah, in the time of ignorance, the people used to increase in what they would do in the month of Rajab. And also Umrah, you know, the, the lesser Hajj would be done in Rajab. A lot of people during the times of Jahiliyyah and even during the time of, of Islam, Rajab would be a month in which people would go and they would perform Umrah, they would increase in their, you know, the deeds that they would do. And then he saw how, you know, the Muslims were treating the month of Ramadan. Because of course, this is a, a special month to us. But what would happen is they would be heedless of the month that came between them, of, of Sha'ban. So what he would do is, he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would spend a lot of time fasting in the month of Ramadan and also increasing in the good that he would do. The people that came, you know, after him, the, the, the companions and the tabi'een, the atba'u tabi'een, the righteous predecessors that we have, they used to really take advantage of this month. One of the statements that they used to make was they used to say, Shahru uh, Sha'ban, Shahrul Qurra, that the month of uh, the, the month of Sha'ban, it is the month of reciters, the reciters of the Quran. So you know they would increase in how much you know they they would read the Quran, how much they would fast, because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would spend majority of the month of Sha'ban fasting, according to our mother Aisha radiyallahu anha, where she said that I did not see him you know fast as much as he would in the month of Sha'ban. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he would continuously be fasting in this month so that he could prepare himself for the month of Ramadan. This Ramadan that is coming, it is going to be different. It's not going to be the Ramadan that you and I are used to, the one that is you know, filled with the community, the one that is filled with people. So what's going to happen is for most of us, it's, it's going to be that much harder for us to be able to truly fast the whole month to truly get gain the benefits that you know we would be unable to uh, we would be able to get if the community was there but because the community is not there we have to attain the you know those things that Ramadan has for us and let it not be a month that you know we we waste so in order to do that we have to prepare ourselves right now you know this month of Sha'ban let it be a you know a practice for you 
on what you can do in the month of Ramadan. Because now, you know, this is once the month of Ramadan comes, you have no choice in your fasting. And hopefully we're, we are going to be from amongst the people that are still able to, you know, uh, pray taraweeh, pray, you know, the nightly prayers in the month of Ramadan. So use this month of Sha'ban, inshallah, to get ready for that. Pray during the night, read Quran during the day, fast during the day as much as you can. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from you so that you will be ready when the time, uh, the month of Ramadan comes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy upon us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift this bala from us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and those that we love and those that, ha- that, that love us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be able to enjoy the, the, the blessings that he has blessed us with. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam ajma'in. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa so I, I wanted to add just this short ending piece here that, you know, I, I'm, I'm opening a challenge for everyone who's listening to this to join us when fasting in Sha'ban and to remind people that the census, this is census day. By the time I publish this later, it will be the end of, uh, of the day, hopefully April 1st. So take this opportunity um, to complete the census and check out podcasts mm-hmm. and a lot of other references about why this census is important. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that. But thank you again, Imam Fuad. I hope that we can make this uh, between you and myself as well as an opportunity to draw closer to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and improve ourselves. Um, so we'll take on this mm-hmm. fasting as well in preparation for Ramadan. We'll see how many other people can join us, and I hope to hear back uh, from others. There are cool features to reach us. You know, you can connect with us um, directly on on. Uh, um, uh, through our contact information. I'm going to put up an email that people can start emailing us at. But Anchor itself has a cool feature, if anyone is listening to this on Anchor, where you can send your own voice message. So if anyone is interested in doing that, um, we'll, we'll consider adding it to our, our future okay. podcast as well. So we'd love to hear from you guys. All right. Jazakallah again. Assalamu alaikum wa